Hey there, and welcome to an episode that we filmed almost six months ago. This was with Ed Surtees, then head videographer for a startup dealing with Formula E team like Maserati. Now he is head of videography for Formula E itself. Now, if you want to know what it's like to go from being a basketball coach to follow your career and your dreams, Ed is the exact person to be inspired and to listen exactly to how he got to where he is today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I look forward to what's to come. I really need your help. The podcast has been stuck on a certain amount of reviews for quite a while now. And better reviews mean better podcasts. And better podcasts mean more listeners. And more listeners, well, mean better guests. So if you can do me a favour and review the podcast when you've finished listening, I would really appreciate it. It would give me better feedback and learn how to improve the podcast, making it better for you. Now, back to the episode. Grew up in a uh, single parent household. Older brother has severe learning difficulties and physical disabilities, so he's uh, in a wheelchair. And my mum was essentially his, and still is his full time carer. Everything. When you have a disabled brother, a lot of a lot of people that come from like nuclear families um, don't really understand. So I was doing like lots of little jobs, but not really fueling my my passion, you know. Um, and it really hit me logging onto LinkedIn, and I, I like broke down in front of in front of my old basketball coach, and he really put like a put an arm around me, and it really fueled my fire to go out and and make something of myself. In instance, you look at a film, you look at different angles and different scenes and how they're shot, or you're playing sports, you look at different ways to throw a pass, different ways to to do that. So, how was do you reckon that given you, I guess, an edge in, in your career? Do you reckon that that early influence has given you sort of a a boost in the creative side of your brain. It's definitely given me a boost in the creative side of my brain. I love to immerse myself in stories and I, I feel like if I want to see that and lots of other people, then maybe lots of other people want to see that. In terms of like what makes you great at being a creative, what would you, I know it's hard because we're British and talking about ourselves is hard, but what makes you great? What makes me great? I don't think I've ever been asked that question. That's a tough one. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm the greatest storyteller of all time. I guess it's been recognised that I have a deep passion for motorsport as well. So a good weapon to have in your armoury because what would I tell myself? Work your fucking socks off. You can do more. You can do more, Ed. You're, you're great, but you can be even better. Welcome to the podcast about taking your love for cars and showing you the possibilities. I speak to CEOs, racing drivers, content creators and people I find interesting. I started my passion for cars, racing go-karts at a junior level. And when that didn't turn into a career, I spent more time than most planning what I could do. Failed attempt after failed attempt, I landed on this podcast to share people's failures and successes, to give others the best chance to hear what is possible with your love for cars. So whether you're 13 and wondering what jobs are out there for me, or 30 and asking yourself, am I doing the right thing? Let my guests be your guide for turning a passion for cars into a purpose. And today's guest is Edmund Surtees. Ed has done and is doing some fantastic content creation for motorsport, and he is currently placed with Maserati's Formula E team, creating what you see on their socials. This will give you the tools to do the same. So listen on and learn how Ed got to where he is today. Instead of this month's episodes being sponsored by a great company giving you something as a thank you for listening, I wanted to announce something special. Ignition is releasing a clothing line. This clothing line is something that we've been working on for quite a while now and behind the scenes been figuring out how could we give back. And the way we want to give back is give designers 30% of everything that's sold. So if you buy a t-shirt, 30% of the profits from that t-shirt will go directly to the artist. 
It's just a way for us to show the great and amazing talent that is in the automotive and motorsport worlds. And that means if you do have a design or an idea for a clothing line, give us a message. Email me at harry at ignitionpod.com. That's harry at ignitionpod.com. I'd love to have a chat. But anyway, back to the episode. Oh, and before you go, podcast listeners get 15% off. So check the show notes below for that code for you. Ed, there's um, something I'd like to start off with just to understand who you are as a person, because this is the first time we're meeting. This is the first time we're having a chat. So tell me more about your early experiences, school, growing up to give me an idea of who you are today, basically. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. we're, going, we're starting from the beginning. Sure. Um, so I grew up in a place called Taunton in Somerset, uh, very much uh, a countryside town. Uh, I don't have the farmer's accent, so there'll be no tratter talk like that. Um, uh, but yeah, it was a very uh, sheltered upbringing, not really kind of representative of of London and you know the multicultural um, city that that is and that I've spent a lot of time in uh, recently. Um, yeah, I grew up in a uh, single parent household. Uh, Mum was on benefits. My uh, older brother has severe learning difficulties and physical disabilities, so he's uh, in a wheelchair. And my mum was essentially his and still is his full time carer. Um, so I grew up in kind of a yeah a tricky a tricky household to to navigate and. Um, uh i spent a lot of time playing sport so that was kind of my escape um uh it was it was a way for me to be out of the house my mom could then look after my brother and i was kind of busy and uh and occupied um until like 9 p.m playing sports until late into the evening um so that's kind of how i grew up and then yeah i went to university in 20 2010, wow, that's a long time ago now, uh, down in Plymouth, graduated in 2013, um, studying media uh, and learning all about films and how to use cameras, very basic stuff. Um, and then, yeah, after that one, I, I suppose five years kind of freelance, um, didn't really get a job like straight away out of uni. So I had to kind of really set myself up to to pursue the career that I wanted to pursue. And I was like, how am I going to do this? And so, yeah, I just bought myself a camera and, and, and went for it and was contacting anyone to just be creative, you know, gyms, nightclubs, uh, personal trainers, memorabilia companies, uh, cafes, anyone who wanted kind of like some social media. And this was kind of like, yeah, 2014, 15. So it was a different landscape to what it is now. People take it a lot more seriously. So it was a lot harder to convince people, especially down in Somerset as well, to pay money to like support their business when everything that they've done previously was just like word of mouth or flyers, you know, they were like photography and videos for social media. This was kind of like, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. I, I don't want to say breaking new ground because of social media was around before then, but you know, Facebook came out in what, 2008? I want to say or yeah yeah even before that i think yeah the, the original like the facebook was was, was like early th- early thousands yeah but yeah social yeah. media so, i guess quite, it's quite hard to convince a bunch of people that social media is this thing that will help them if they've got no idea what yeah. it is yeah and um yeah i suppose like 10 years ago it was um 
it's a very different landscape to what it is now and how much money is involved within, within social media. Um, so yeah, that's a very, very quick um, backstory, I guess, of, of my life and, and how I kind of grew up and what led me to where I am today. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So were you surrounded by sort of cameras and social media growing up? Or how did you find out about this thing that you could do where you could be freelance, you could use your own time? So how was the idea of being a freelancer or the idea of being a videographer, a photographer? How did that come into your life? And where was that moment? So I'd always had a passion for movies. Movies were my escape, you know, mm-hmm. growing up in a in a house that was, you know, difficult. Um, let's put it, uh, I needed my escape. So I had my sport and I was doing a lot of that, but a lot of the time I would be kind of just in my room watching movies. Um, yeah. and <laughs> yeah, I would become fascinated by how they were made as well. So I'd watch all the DVD extras and behind the scenes. I was like, this is something that I really enjoy learning about. Mm. Uh, and I want to, and I want to do more of that. So then I decided to study that at college, like film, uh, was was an option and then also media was an option so I kind of chose both and then also chose like PE to to do a higher higher education and then yeah moving on to university I was like I want to get into this even more and I want to make my own movies and um, that's kind of how I got into the creative sphere um, yeah it wasn't really a, a passion for content as it were it was more storytelling and like learning yeah. about how how narratives are constructed and then and then I've kind of adapted it to take that to social media I guess um in very short form but then yeah we also do do some long longer form stuff with like vlogs and done a few things like that before as well Ed I'm just wondering because I, I come from quite a, a nuclear family and I understand I'm, I'm very grateful for that so when you say difficult growing up I mean what was it like give me like paint me a picture um so everything when you have a disabled brother um, or, si- or just a sibling in general, um, a, lot of, a lot of people that come from like nuclear families um, don't really understand kind of all the, the hardships that come with um, having to look after that child, you know, and, and disabilities um, uh, range in, in severity. And so my brother was very difficult to to deal with. He would mm. he would just break things just all the time, and he like break rip his clothes, and and not because not because he's wanting to. It's just the nature of his like brain chemistry, you know, that he he has no concept of how 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 firm to hold a glass or mm. how to. So, for instance, there'll be lots of times where we would go to a, a restaurant or something and, and he would just, uh, the waiter without thinking would give him a glass and immediately he, he'd bite into it and just yeah. have glass in his mouth. And so, yeah, just when I say difficult, it's like things that nuclear families don't really like, can really comprehend. You can't sit down and just have a normal meal with your mum. You know, it's very much like all the focus is on Greg. She's got to cut up his food. She's got to feed him. And it's just, yeah, it's it's a completely different environment to to yeah the nuclear family, and so that was it was difficult for me. Obviously, there wasn't really there was so much more focus on on my brother Greg, and um, I, I completely understand why. But it was just yeah. very like 
you're growing up in that environment and it's just like you're try, struggling to just find your place. And so I think sport was a great outlet for me and I, I had a team. Uh, basketball was my main sport. I played football as well, but basketball I really got into. And um, yeah, that was a, a good you know outlet for me to build a good network of friends and, and have some good influences in my life, especially uh, older male influences. Didn't, my dad wasn't around. He, le he left us when I was very young. And so um, I still see him and I still have a really good relationship with him now. But um, I, it was, again, tough growing up without that influence in my life. And then, yeah, uh, I feel like from movies as well, I, I drew a lot of influence from that on, um, you know, good male role models. And uh, yeah, so I would say that's kind of my what I would say when I had a difficult upbringing. It wasn't it wasn't personally difficult. Um, I wasn't personally difficult, but it was like. It was just challenging and very different to everyone else that I knew. Yeah, it's, I guess it's hard. I, 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 thank you for sharing it. And it's it's different for me to hear that because I I haven't had to struggle for attention. I've I was I'm a firstborn, so it's it's, it's quite like I was given that early on. So it's it's, it's nice to hear different different stories because it, it helps me sort of figure out the journey you've been on. And that's the whole point of this podcast is just sure. just to give people an idea of what it can be like and where you've come from to, to where you are today. So. When you say escape, I mean, that must help your creativity massively. If you're throwing yourself into these things, you're, I guess your brain is learning different ways to think. For instance, you look at a film, you're looking at different angles and different scenes and how they're shot, or you're playing sports, you look at different ways to throw a pass, different ways to, to do that. So how was, do you reckon that given you, I guess, an edge in, in your career? Do you reckon that that early influence has given you sort of a, a boost in the creative side of your brain? Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Um, it's definitely given me a boost in the creative side of my brain um, in just a way that I, I love to immerse myself in stories. And I, I feel like if I want to see that and lots of other people, then maybe lots of other people want to see that, you know? Mm. And so how can I take uh, other people on this journey and yeah, show them a story with what I'm filming? Um, so that's kind of whenever I'm kind of shooting out in the field and making videos uh, like in the garage with, uh, the main client that I work with now, which is Maserati MSG Racing, the Formula E team, mm. it's just, how am I trying to tell the story in a way that's what? How, what content am I am I creating, and can I tell it in a creative narrative, like interesting narrative way? Um, so I guess that's kind of what, yeah, kind of carried over. Um, I spend a lot of my free time writing my own personal short films and and scripts. Wow. Um, so I. I guess that's kind of more towards a, a narrative based thing than the kind of the social media content that we make at the moment. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's kind of helped. Yeah. It really has helped fuel my creative spirit and, and ideas. And yeah, yeah. I'd say, um, I'm, yeah, I'm always kind of, I look back on my life and I think, uh, I wouldn't change anything because it's, you know, it's that classic, it's made you who you are today, you know, and, and I, yeah, I, I really like kind of where I am and what I've, what I've become, I guess. Well, I mean, when it comes, you know, when it comes to being who you are now, you look back. So when was it a point, I guess, when you look for a career, because this is, this is interesting for me. Why did you pick, I mean, obviously the love of films, you picked film of videography, but how did you get started and how did you find a way that, okay, I know, going into businesses and doing all that stuff. What gave you the ideas to, was it just as simple as going, right, I need people to, to film videos for, go and find those people? Or was it like, 
how did you find out that being freelance was a thing you could do? Um, I'd always known that it was a possibility. Uh, but th- there was one point, I remember it vividly. Um, it w- was the year after, uh, about a year after I'd finished university, I'd moved back to my hometown, uh, Taunton, and I was staying with my, I was renting a room off of my old basketball coach. He had mm. like offered to like give me a room. And so uh, I was paying him, you know, a very small amount of rent. But uh, I remember just signing on to like LinkedIn for the first time and seeing where all of kind of my peers were and the jobs yeah. that they were doing. And I was just kind of like working in a nightclub and was being like an assistant basketball coach. And, and I think I was also working in a hotel at the time. Um, so I was doing like lots of little jobs, but not really fueling my, my passion, you know, um, and it, it really hit me logging onto LinkedIn and I, I like broke down in front of, in front of my old basketball coach and he really put like a, put an arm around me and it really fueled my fire to go out and, and make something of myself. And so I went up this, I went up to, into my bedroom the same night and I drew like this massive mind map. I know there's that meme that is, uh, is Charlie day, right. In, um, always sunny in Philadelphia, I think, or one yeah. of the, mo- one of the movies that he's in where he's like doing the mind map thing. Um, and it was literally like that on my wall. And so I was like, what can I do? I put in the middle, like, what do I like to do? And how, how do I make money doing it? And so I was like basketball player. And then like listed all the reasons why I couldn't be a basketball player. And then I think it was like formula one driver. And I was like listing all the things why I couldn't be a formula one driver. And then I was like filmmaker. And I was like, how do I get there? And it, it really just kind of like hit me that this is possible if I start at like a really low level, just buy a basic camera and just provide value to people. Mm. And from there, I was like, this is, this is my route. This is what I want to do. Because the other two kind of absolutely not possible. Um, and that's, yeah, that's how I figured I could get into it. I knew that you could always go freelance and uh, that was, yeah, that was kind of, it was all or nothing. I was going to go all in on this and um, yeah, there was no real other option for, for what I wanted to do. It was stay the same and be miserable or go after it and chase my dream, you know? No, it, it makes perfect sense. It's, it's funny because you've inadvertently, I guess, stumbled upon a concept like it's called Ikigai. I don't ever heard of it. Yes. I've literally got a book yes. on it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so that's funny because you've, you've written, you've done this mind map and you've, you've done the four things, right? You've done what you love, what you, what can make you money, what the world needs. I vocation. Yeah. Vocation, mission, yeah. purpose, that, that, all of that. I think yeah. it's brilliant that you've, you've done that and you've actually physically mapped it out because most, I guess most people wouldn't, or if they're doing it, they're doing it in their brains, which I find to be quite stunting because you're not actually making it seem real, but it's funny. Why yeah. did you, why did you write other reasons you couldn't do the other jobs? basketball player or formula one driver. yeah i mean i mean i know that i know they're pretty they're pretty extreme but like so but why do you think you wrote the reasons you couldn't but when it came to the to the, the videographer you wrote you wrote the reasons you could do it yeah um i don't know why it, um let's let's think about it uh i guess yeah i guess i've always kind of heard quotes from uh like steven spielberg and and james cameron um saying you know big famous movie directors saying like really all you need is a camera and a script mm. and you're a filmmaker all you're doing next is negotiating budget yeah i think that's james cameron um and he's like you're now a filmmaker or a director i think he says um and that that kind of really stuck with me and i think i, I learned that in um 
in uni or in college uh, from one of my film le- film lecturers who said that. And um, that really stuck with me. And I was like, you know what, I can be. Um, I don't know why I instantly went to the negatives of why I can't be the other things. Um, maybe I just, yeah, I'd, I'd spent so much time playing basketball previously and watching Formula One and knew about um, kind of the amount of money that was involved with it. And I just, yeah. this is not possible. And I'm, I'm, I'm 21 and 22 at that point. So 21 or 22 at that point. So I knew that I couldn't, it wasn't possible to really be great, be great at it going in at that age. Yeah. And so I, and filmmakers, you know, they can go until they die, essentially. Like Spielberg's still going, James Cameron's still going. They're in their 60s or 70s and still masters of their crafts. And I was like, that's mm. something that I want to aspire towards. Um, so yeah, I think long term is to eventually make a make a feature film, for sure. Yeah, fantastic. I guess it's realism, isn't it? Just just being realistic and not, I guess, not being too giddy and going, oh, I could be an F one driver tomorrow because it takes a lot of talent, takes a lot of time. Like I said, it takes a lot of money to get into motorsport. Like it's something that speaking to people I have on this podcast, money seems to be, and when it comes to motorsport, the thing you need, regardless of skill or talent. Like if you have yeah. money the rest kind of just is easy. Um, well, not as easy. I can't really say easy, but I'm, I'm not an F1 driver. Actually, I failed at go-karting when I was about eight. So <laughs> it's me being bitter. But um, but yeah, so, so why motorsport? Why cars? Why, why did that end up being the, I guess, the the muse for your creative outlet? Um, so, so after five years of kind of doing freelance video work and kind of making a name well, not really a name for myself, but just being, you know, on a good level in Somerset and working with kind of all of these random different clients. I knew that I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to niche down and be great in a, in a single area. And then I was like, right. So how do I take this skill that I've now crafted uh, for myself? um, And I'm slowly kind of mastering. um, How do I then, I've, I've learned to provide value to people, but then how do I fulfill myself as well, fill my own creative passion? Mm. Um, uh, so I wanted to combine, it was either I now combine my filming skills with motorsport or I combine it with basketball. And I was like, there's a lot more money in motorsport. Yeah. So, um, and it's a lot easier to get into There's in Somerset, especially there's no real big basketball teams. Um, so I, I think by the time I was 25, I set myself like a five-year goal of moving to London by the time I was 30 to achieve kind of, you know, working in the motorsport industry and being creative and maybe working towards also being in the film industry. But that was kind of a, if that works out, that's great. But I wanted to be able to take in what I'd learned immediately and, and move it into kind of the motorsport creative content industry. And so literally I moved to London when I was 26. Um, and I've just now moved back from London to Taunton. And now I'm 31. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, so I, the, that instant five-year goal was pretty much achieved within the next year. So, um, I'm now working on my next couple of goals. Um, but yeah, I knew I wanted to combine my passion, my, my skills of filmmaking and, uh, and photography and content creation with something that I was really interested in and that I cared about outside of videos. And yeah, I settled on one of my few interests, which was, which was motorsport. And I, 
I'd always grown up watching it with my dad. We have uh, quite a famous surname, but my dad always make and my dad always makes a joke that we're we're Ferrari fans because our long lost relative like raced for Ferrari, John Surtees. Um, but no, we're not related. Um, but that kind of that that mythical story always kind of stayed with me from a very young boy when I was watching motorsport with my dad and. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into it and where that passion for motorsport came from and then what's led me to combine them. Yeah, I guess well, there's a question I didn't ask is, is, is that question of what ignited your passion for cars in the first place? And uh, yeah, I can see it's, it's your, it must be that moment of sitting down watching watching motorsport and your dad going, we've got, we've got, we've got a name that's, that's iconic in the sport. I mean, yeah. anyway, that, that must like that must plant a seed of like, confidence in the fact that it was like, without without knowing it, you feel, I guess, do, did you feel like you belonged by having the name that, a little bit it something to latch onto yeah something to latch onto for sure um and i didn't get to spend a lot of time with my dad growing up so the few moments that i did we it really like yeah connect i, I really connected with it and so he had a big passion for motorsport and so we would sit down and watch the formula one on the weekend schumacher was winning a lot so it made sense to support ferrari especially with john Surtees <laughs> racing for ferrari um and just being a little boy enamored by yeah there's something there's something to be said for sitting next to someone who is really passionate about something and it's infectious and i think it being it being my dad that it really rubbed off on me um i think i have that now whenever i sit down and watch a movie with someone that i've seen and they haven't seen i get that kind of buzz of watching them enjoy it for the first time um so yeah that definitely rubbed off on me and then yeah uh yeah, it was something to latch onto for sure. I can't remember what you originally asked. Sorry. <laughs> well, no, it was it was it was it was what ignited your passion for cars, but that you like, I could, but you really answered that question. I guess without me having to ask it, which is which is fantastic. And then when it when it comes to I guess Edge, the mindset you had when you entered motorsport, obviously you've mentioned it, guys. So I'm guessing you did a bit of self development work outside of the, your career. So how did that journey start? And when did you? realize that you can become a better person because I'm still on that journey. I think we all are, but I've, there was something that I realized that just coming out of lockdown, that you can change your mindset, you can change your view on things and you can change how you act as a person and your discipline, your rules, your habits can all be, can all be changed. You have the power to. So for you, what was that beginning of that journey through? And you might, were you always like this or was it just reading and stuff that helped? No, I wasn't always like this. Um, I think, uh, yeah, we speak about Ikigai and kind of the the um, Venn diagram, um, but that kind of came after, and it it was it was that moment that I spoke about previously that really kind of triggered it. That like, you know, I have this life; I'm in control of my life, regardless of kind of what my upbringing was like. I'm now at this moment where I can choose, and I'm kind of financially stable myself, and this is my moment to yeah really define my career path and it 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 wasn't really kind of any kind of self-development purpose uh any self-development reading it was very much a it was it was born out of yeah that moment where I was just you know in tears and I was just like I really have to make a decision now and it's this fight or flight moment you know and uh yeah I had to choose I guess the path I wanted to go down and I I, I went down it. And then from then, I think that's what led me to find and inquire about more things about like personal development and um, especially learning business. Uh, that's, that was a real struggle for me. And that's kind of why I've left that 
space to become full-time employed again because I felt like I really have to do a lot of self-analysis on what am I good at? I I understand that I can spend time to be better at other things, but is that a good use of my time? And do I like doing that? And is it going to serve me in the long run? Mm. And for me, I had to make a decision kind of when I was in like 2018, um, when I'd lived in London for a bit and it was kind of like, it's going okay. I've got a few clients, but it could be better, but I'm just kind of caught up with a lot of filming, a lot of editing, and I'm not really like putting a lot of effort in sourcing new clients and, and doing kind of all the business admin side of things. So I had to be very self-reflective and realize that, look, I'm not actually a really good businessman and that I have to take a step back and allow other people to, to do that side of, to do that side of things well. And so that I have the freedom to be creative and be great at being creative and that and kind of unleash myself in that sector rather than being a businessman and like working towards like building a company and that, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, that kind of re- was reinforced by uh, me finding Gary V online. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, I um, he kind of speaks about that and um, the way that he's worked with content creators and he's, he often says that like, not everyone in, not everyone should be the number one, you know, it's okay to be like the number two or the number three in a business uh, hierarchy. And especially if you're good at those things and you have a fulfilling life and you're, you're happy in yourself and you're, you may not be earning like all of the money, but it's like whether you find like peace and happiness and you're cr- fulfilled creatively. And yeah. for me, a big thing is like, just not having to worry about that kind of stuff. And I was never good at that kind of confrontation in business and negotiations and admin and all of that side of things. And I really had to like, I, I let a few people down, especially when I was freelancing, like friends, clients, I was just like, this is too much for me. And so I had to take a step back and I was like, you know what? I'd actually be really good being an employee. Yeah, I'm a little bit too outspoken sometimes. That's kind of come from the freelance world of me being my own boss, but I feel like that's me standing up for creative ideas. Mm. Is what I is how I is how I pitch it. But um, yeah, I feel like uh, yeah, I've really learned a lot by taking a step back and and letting other people handle those things and allowing me to be to be good at being creative. No, I guess it's you focus on thing you're good at and thing you enjoy, and that's what gives you the motivation to do the job in the first place is because you're enjoying it, and so. How has how has that I guess progressed for you in your in your in your full time career and 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 obviously you've mentioned not not loving the business admin so I can see why you've gone from freelance to to full time but in terms of like what makes you great at being creative what would you, I know it's hard because we're British and talking about ourselves is hard but what makes you great at doing what you do because I'm interested what you from your own perspective when you look at the stuff you've created and the videos you've made. What makes you good at what you do? Because you're working for Maserati, so you must have some sort of talent. What makes me great? I don't think I've ever been asked that question. That's a tough one. Um, I, well, going back to kind of what we what we talked about in kind of what sparked my creative passion, I guess is my is my ability to tell stories. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm the greatest storyteller of all time. A beautiful thing about the creative industry is that there are no right or wrong answers. You know, it's all subjective. And luckily, my my kind of eye hits with, I guess, a a lot of people in that creative sphere. And 
I guess it's been recognized that I have a deep passion for motorsport as well. So that's mm. a good, a good influence, uh, a good, a good, uh, I guess sort of piece of armor to have, I guess, you know, in your armory, a good weapon to have in your armory, because you can be great at filming, but then you may not have a passion for motorsport. And I feel like that may come across in your creative output. Um, I, yeah, I guess I have a, I have a deep passion for motorsport, which I guess helps uh, define my eye when filming things and capturing things. Yeah, it's also, but it's also a muscle you learn, right? I'm guessing, um, like when it comes to filming, like learning which shots work, which shots don't work, and and stringing them together, and like say telling a story. So starting from starting from the beginning, there being some sort of guide or some sort of I don't know, in like a really small sort of way, like you can tell that sort of basic storytelling structure, but through just a series of strung together videos and clips and sound and yeah i mean it's something that i'm learning to do so it's something i'm, I'm focusing a bit more on but i guess what would the advice you'd give to me as, as someone that's starting editing and wants to learn how to tell stories what would the advice you'd be give to someone that wants to do that so there's a great quote and i think it was tarantino who said it mm -hmm. um and he said i think it was tarantino i can't be sure but it the, the quote stuck with me and they said you're not a great editor until you cut your favorite shot. And that stuck with me. And it's just like, I could, I, I could get this amazing uncut shot of a driver, you know, kind of walking directly towards me, like down the pit lane, he's taking his helmet off. He looks all moody and that, that works as an amazing shot on its own, but yeah. does it serve, does it serve the edit having the full shot in there? You know, does it serve the story of having that? It's, it's not quite as engaging if you leave like a 10 second shot of that, of that beautiful shot coming mm. of him walking towards you. It doesn't serve the edit because it might not be as engaging and you want it, you want something to hit fast, you know, on social media, especially mm -hmm. it's different when you're trying to tell film, uh, tell, tell stories in film. Um, but yeah, you really have to think about how does each shot serve the story? And yeah, that quote hit me where, you really do have to cut your favorite shot sometimes because it might not serve the story at all. Um, so yeah, that's my, uh, that'd be my advice that I'm relaying from someone else to you. If you want to be a great yeah, editor. No, it makes sense. You've got to take your own ego out of it. You, you, yeah. you might, like I say you might really enjoy the shot, but if it doesn't serve the thing and it's not the greater good of the piece, I mean, using bit, deeping it like that a bit, but yeah, it makes, it makes total sense to take yourself out of, take your ego out of the thing you're creating so that the thing itself can elevate it be elevated but yeah and so, and so when it came yeah and so when it came to getting full-time employment and going freelance obviously you've got this massive cv of of little bits and bobs how did you i guess how did you present yourself in the interview and how did you convince them to hire you so my first job in motorsport was with a company called autosport the magazine um yeah. and kind of that wider digital network that owns autosport so that includes motorsport.com and all of their other companies that are under that umbrella um so in the interview um i was just the biggest motorsport nerd i could possibly be i was like tell i think one of the like they asked me just tell us what you know about motorsport and i was just like i can name every single corner on every single formula one track and i can give you a detail i can draw it from hand perfectly um because i know every single corner and i know kind of yeah the, the circuit the circuit um corners um and then i can tell you all the like historic moments from probably like from the year 2000 
up to present of like all of the big moments that happened in in Formula One. Um, so yeah, being a big nerd in the in the interview really helped. Um, and then they could see that I could use a camera, so they were like, you know what, we'll take a chance on you. We'll get you involved in our social media. I think it was this, my title was social media content producer. Um, so that involved taking photos and, and videos, kind of what I've been doing for the last yeah five six years, just not in motorsport. And um, mm. yeah, I think yeah my passion for motorsport really came out, and I I'd wanted I'd wanted to be in the industry for so long that um, yeah that really helped me. Yeah, and so when when you um when you got the job in the first place, did you obviously I don't know for me looking at what you do, it can sometimes seem a bit I don't know glorified. Because you're 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 standing around the pits, you're in front of all the action. So, I'm interested in in the hard parts of your job, the people, things that people don't see. What I mean is, is it all sunshines and rainbows, or is there a, a thundercloud once in a while? It's a lot of firefighting. I'm not going to lie. Um, okay. So I I did two years at uh, th- sorry three years at Autosport, and then I'm now in my third year of uh, third year of being with this agency social media agency that have multiple clients one of them being maserati msg racing um and i'm basically embedded full-time with that team so i get get to go out to all the races and so if i if i leave it there that sounds really glamorous um Mm. on it's like super long days and so we'll fly out for instance let's use cape town the race that we've just done for example um we'll fly out on Tuesday will arrive crazy early morning, think Wednesday. Um, and then we'll just be like filming content or te- capturing content. Admittedly, the first day we did do a safari, which was very cool. Yeah, um, they are. But then when, when race week comes, when, when the weekend comes around from Thursday through to potentially Sunday, if it's a doubleheader in Formula E, you're doing 7 a.m. till midnight days. Okay. That's me personally. Um, the mechanics sometimes, if there's a crash on day one, they will have to work through the night to fix the car. Um, for me personally, yeah, pretty much every night I'm up till midnight editing photos and editing videos to try and get some to try and get content ready for the next day. Um, but not also, but not just content. It's like partner, like partner content where like sponsors have requested certain photos or videos that won't even be seen by social media, and so a lot of time spent on that um uh yeah so it's it's non-stop and you rarely have a moment to just sit down and chill from thursday through to sunday um if you win the race maybe you get to party afterwards but if honestly if 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 we run away if we run away if we win a race um it makes it even more work because then i'm filming yeah. and capturing podium content so i'm like working even later and we'll try and enjoy a drink but yeah it's uh it's a it's a long weekend with long hours and you don't really get much time to sit down whatsoever especially at formula e. no it makes sense it's a high-paced sport so everything you're doing is is high-paced the like you said the demand for content the next day or even the same day can be mm-hmm. can be hard so when it, when it comes to discipline and and getting down and editing those videos where does that come from because i know it's hard i i i, I regrettably will say this on this podcast i hate doing it <laughs> I hate editing these and these aren't that hard to edit um so, so what gives you the discipline to, to 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 get through the the environment that you're in so when when it gets really tough um 
and I've got like a crazy deadline I need to meet. You've, they're like, Ed, you've got one hour now between filming sessions to like try and edit something. And you just, you just kind of rely on all of the skills that you've learned and you're just trying to do it at a million miles an hour. And there is no real excuse for why you can't get it done other than you run out of time. Um, and to be fair, I've used that a lot recently. Like I've been like, guys, there's no time to get this edit out. I'm sorry, we have to just push it back to the next day. Mm. Um, but when you have to sit down and knuckle down and focus, um, for me, I, I do tell myself like, so many people would want this job that you should be like thanking your lucky stars that you are in this position and that you're, um, yeah, that you're, and you'd be grateful for where you are and the people that have helped you get here and all the hard work that you put in yourself to get here. Don't let yourself down now, keep going and just get it done. Um, obviously enjoy the ride, but people are counting on you now. And you know, if you want, if you want that, if you want to be great, there's going to come times when there's, there's pressurized environments. Um, but that's, that's part of the gig, I guess. Yeah. Uh, do, do you reckon sport has helped you with this? Cause I'm, I, I know you do a bit of running. I say a bit of running. It's quite impressive. Um, cause I can't do it or refuse to do it, but yeah, do you reckon, <laughs> how, how would you reckon how, how's that helped you with, with it? Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely, um, an edge I think I have because a lot of, I don't want to use, uh, I'm going to generalize now, but a lot, I feel like a lot of creatives aren't really kind of like active and sporty. So I think that is kind of a, an edge where I, I do have, I have on some people. Um, it's given me a comp competitive mindset and um, mm. it's given me, uh, yeah, like hard work pays off, you know, never kind of give up that fighting spirit to keep going, even yeah. when you're not, you don't feel like you want to do it. Um, having that from a very young age ingrained into me and, you know, I lost way more than I won, but now I guess it's kind of paid off that I'm, you know, in a position now where I am kind of, I don't want to say made it, but like, I'm in a very, I'm in quite a high profile position as a videographer and, and a content creator to work for a Formula E team. It's, uh, there's only maybe one of, one of 10, you know, there's one in each team potentially. Um. So it's a very lucky spot to be in. And I think, yeah, that, that sporting mindset has really helped. And it, I think it works in the team because I understand like everyone else in the team is competitive Yeah, uh, and we all want to be great. Um, so yeah, I think that's really helped me. Yeah, for sure. No, it's brilliant, isn't it? Cause you, you guess you, you're competing with yourself when you're running because you want to get better time. But when it comes to, and I guess that, that applies straight to the edit as well. You're competing with yourself to get it out, but you're doing, you're doing it. I think Johnny Wilkinson said you're, you're moving your body to complete a task. So whether you're doing the, the washing up or you're winning a, winning a world cup, like at that moment, it's the same thing or moving your body to complete a goal. That's a great, that's a great little quote. I like that. Yeah. yeah I start, I started with my performance podcast, but we, <laughs> we, um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great one to listen to. Um, but, but yeah, when you, when you think about the that's future, the, that's, you, the, that's the Jake Humphreys one. Jake, yeah. Jake Humphrey. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, so when you think about the future, Ed, um, have you thought about the future? You mentioned goals. So I'm guessing you do think about it. So, so what are your goals for the next, I don't know, five, 10 years? And if I were to tell you these would be the best five, 10 years, what would have to happen or what is going to happen? So uh, I'll put it out there. My five-year goal is to make it into Formula One, is to be a Formula One content creator. That's something that I want to achieve within five years. 
Um, a lot of things potentially need to happen to do that, um, that are potentially outside of my control as well. Um, but I just know that if I do the best job that I can in my current role, it sets me up to be potentially, uh, to potentially take that next step. Um, I have a 10 year goal of making a feature film. Um, yeah. and then back when I was 25, I set myself a 25 year goal, my super long-term goal of like making a film in within like either the British or Hollywood film industry with a big kind of, uh, studio attached to it. So we'll see. Uh, it's great. It's what do you think needs to happen? I mean, obviously if you're dirty for goal setting, I mean, for me, goal setting is just a big goal breaking that big goal down to little little bits. And so you know exactly how you're going to do it. So what are those, what are those little bits, I guess, for you to, to get to that point? Um, I, I like to take it, um, a day at a time, you know, sometimes the route, the route to the film industry isn't always the same for everyone. So, Quentin Tarantino, again, he said he didn't go to film school. He went to films, you know, he, he yeah. watched movies in the cinema and just wrote scripts and was in the right place at the right time. Um, for me, I think if I can be great at, at what I do and, you know, build my name within this industry and then continue to be, be great and progress up the ladder, I think that will really help me and put me in a good stead to network. Um, mm. and when you're at that level, networking is so important. It's, even, even at grassroots level, networking is, is so important. It's all about who, you know, and I, I have to say, I wouldn't be where I am today without the people that were very first in my life in kind of my journey in freelancing, um, knowing those people and them giving me opportunities has yeah helped me reach this point. Um, but I think, yeah, taking it day by day and just, uh, you know, continuing to work on things that you know that the industry leaders are doing um, and to kind of mimic their journey um, is putting yourself in the best position possible. You know, you, you, if, I can, if I can write every weekend and continue to work on a script and get that script finished, I will put myself in a really good position to then maybe one day make that film. And then if I can make a short film, I can then maybe make a slightly longer film. And then if I can make a longer film, I can make a feature film with no budget. And then it will just, I feel like it will just spiral from there, but I just need to keep taking it day by day. Yeah. And have you written any short films? I have three. Yes. And Three so, scripts, but none have made. you got have you gone to anyone with those scripts? No, not yet. Okay, it's just it's just, it's just interesting because it's like it, it, you're only one step away from doing the first step, which is making a short film. Um, just what yeah. is there anything holding you back from doing that? There's nothing inherently holding me back. I just feel like I now is not the right time for me personally. I'm looking at kind of post Formula E season to really okay. get the ball rolling on a first short film. So that's kind of like end of July. And then a lot of, I think of what I'll be working on post July for work will be just in the UK. So a lot less travel and a lot less intense, mm -hmm. and it'll free me up to spend more time getting 
uh, the pre-production ready to go for potentially shooting one of these short films. And I've, I've had to rein myself in and be, and be like, can I, can I, can I write a story that is, that can be shot in maybe four days? And yeah, I've kind of, I kind of can. And it's a, it's a very personal, um, character driven story where it's a lot of emotion and not a lot of action. You know, I'm a big, I love big action Hollywood adventure movies. So I'm trying to rein myself back in and be like, no, let's make something achievable, but that you something that you still care about, um, is what I've been focusing on. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, I think this is the year that I, uh, kind of set myself up for, um, especially moving back to Taunton and out of London. Um, I have a good, very close knit, uh, group of friends here in Taunton and especially there's another creative here one of my dear friends who is an absolute wizard at sound design and mm. all things audio and soundtrack composing and he lives in Taunton so I'm going to be working a lot with him uh, on some of our kind of um, previs storyboard animations for then potentially yeah taking to taking into uh, a full production no it's fantastic you have to let me know when that comes out um, with, uh, I will. Yeah, I'll be promoting yeah. the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ed, uh, I know we're sort of coming towards the end here, and um, there's some questions I'd like to ask towards the end. I'm calling them the Fast Five. Your ultimate three car garage: Ferrari 458 Spider. That's that's the one. That's the one for me. Uh, but like two and three, I don't know. Some maybe the 2000. And... <laughs> it's it's completely impractical but the 2002 ferrari formula one car driven by michael schumacher i think I yeah think that, that was the most dominant the most dominant f1 car um and then and then three would be a self-modified camper van because i've drawn up all of the schematics of how <laughs> i want it to work nice. um you know kind of like you know how people like live in vans i definitely want one of those but Mine's got a bit of a twist on it where there's it kind of the walls expand on like hydraulics and like the ceiling comes up as well. So, yeah, that's my three car garage a van, an F1 car, and for Bruno, it's fantastic. Well, it's interesting because I mean, like, it's it's weird because I've had the exact same thing for like a van that expands up because you the vans don't have enough space, so you just you just need a no. bit more, and that's the only way else to do it is just to have that. Or there's, yeah, anyway, I, I could go into the whole thing, but that sounds like a different podcast. Um, next, <laughs> the next question being Ed is if you could take one car and drive on any road or track, but you only get to do it once, where would you go and what would you take? That. Formula One Ferrari 2002 um, around Spa, Francorchamps. Any particular reason? Uh, I've been to Spa and it is as fantastic as, as everyone makes it out to be. And I've driven it in the game, <laughs> in the Formula One game. And I love driving it in the game. Um, and it has just so much history, the circuit as well. You know, Eau Rouge is just just phenomenal um and i think driving driving that car on that circuit would be would be a one hell of a moment that's no, brilliant it's um it, i think irish is the the background for my linkedin profile um <laughs> and you say it's, it's, it's one of those things where it is an amazing track uh and moving on to the third question is is if you, if you could do what you're doing right now and money wasn't a thing would you still be doing that thing no i'd be making films making films 
Uh, cool. Um, and and this is just interesting because that I think that question brings out sort of like if the the thing you really want to do without asking the, the question what you really want to do. Uh, it's, it's funny because I, I it was asked to me in my in my part time job and I was like that's that's a really good question. I'm going to steal that for the podcast. Um, so, so now I'm asking it. And the fourth question, Ed, is is if you could give advice to either a young Ed or someone that wants to pursue their passion, what would that advice be? What would I tell myself? Um, work your fucking socks off. Um, yeah, that's what I tell myself. Um, you can do more. You can do more, Ed. You're, you're great, but you can be even better. Like, there's a good quote where it's uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's a good yeah. quote. I think it's Kobe or Michael Jordan um, or someone, someone inspirational. But uh, that, that quote sticks with me as well. It's like, I know, I know I'm not the most talented, but I, I can, there's no excuse for not being the hardest worker in the room. And I know that's, I know we're in a world, in a, in a world in an age where a lot of people, you know, we are learning more and more about um, being able to recharge and not getting burnt out and not being in that toxic work environment. But when you're in, when you're in your nine to five working zone, you need to, you need to work hard and just give it everything you can, you know, don't, don't slack off Ed. And I think in college and uni, I definitely slacked off too much. So that's why I tell my, my, my younger self jump at every opportunity, say yes to everything. Um, and just work harder, just get on with it. You can be great and you can fast track where you want to be. If you work hard in those first couple of years earlier than, you know, coming out of you. Yeah, I guess it's just one of those things where like compound interest is interesting when it compounds. And it, it's like, um, you can if you do the same thing day after day and you stick at it. It's like consistency and patience, are the two biggest things in, in life to, to make sure that you get where you need to be. Yeah. 100%. yeah. And, the, and the last question, Ed, is, is simply, what do you love most about cars, motorsport, all things four-wheeled and, and loud? I love racing. Racing is what is what captured my heart. Um, seeing people go wheel to wheel, you know, at 200 miles an hour, that thrill of going side by side with another person you're battling against, seeing Hacken and overtake Schumacher going past a backmarker Zonta was just the most spectacular thing I think I'd ever seen on TV. And I was like, how can this not be scripted? like there's a there's stories there and they're like great rivals but they're like really respectful and um yeah just seeing seeing something so fast go side by side and and the battles that you have and then experiencing that in a go-kart i was just like oh my goodness me this is the best thing i think i've ever done um so yeah it's that wheel-to-reel racing that just captures me um i'm absolutely in love with racing uh, well, I'm with you with that. And, and Ed, uh, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure um, to get to know a bit more about you and, and, and how you got to where you are today. So thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, yeah, thank you for having me.